0: Well, what a great time of worship and kids, that was amazing. Thank you, kids, and happy Easter to you too. Church, happy Easter. It is Resurrection Sunday. I reckon it's the greatest Sunday of the calendar. And I hope you've had a great morning already and um, been blessed by the worship and the presence of the Holy Spirit wherever you are. We've got people in Cambodia, US, New Zealand, all up the east coast of Australia and even across to Adelaide. So welcome, everybody. And um, it's good for you to... Be with us. And we love the fact that we're spreading so wide in several sorts of different devices. Well, um, He is risen and He is risen indeed. Or is He? That's one of the questions I'd like to ask today. Because uh, Paul actually made a comment in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14. He actually said this, And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. And uh, all of Christianity rises and falls on this one element. Did Jesus Christ rise from the dead? Rise from the dead. Did he come through? He said he would. You see, he talked about the temple. If he, you know, we'll pull down this temple in three days, we'll build it again. Talking about himself rising again on the third day. Um, if he didn't rise again, Christianity is not Christianity. We don't have a Messiah. But did he rise again? Well, in my household, we like to have theological discussions. In fact, um, up until recently, we'd have a Monday night uh, dinner where all the family would come over. And not every time, but sometimes we'd always have a great feisty discussion of theology. It happens when you send your kids off to Bible college, I suppose. And uh, and I must admit, sometimes it's quite funny. It gets a bit, how would you say, uh, extravagant. So I thought it'd be really cool today to invite my sons along to discuss, did Jesus raise again? Is the resurrection real? So we have Judah, Solomon, Elijah, and Jesse with me today. And I asked them to go away a few weeks ago and to study. Get some resources together. Have a look at you know, the ever faithful Facebook. <laughs> and, um, but get some really good sources and see whether we can actually find proof of the resurrection so we're going to be discussing that today hope you enjoy it as much as we do as we do we love discussing things like this and um but with us i want you to just investigate did jesus christ really raise from the grave first of all Lijah, what have you discovered mate
1: well firstly i wanted to say when dad asked me to uh, do this a few weeks ago i was really excited because i thought. A lot of people think that Christianity is on the back foot in terms of evidence. But actually the truth is that the skeptics are the ones that need to apply to the evidence that we actually have because the evidence for Christianity sure. is so incredible. Yep. And today I'm going to firstly I'm going to establish something and that is that Jesus existed. <laughs> yeah. With one simple quote. So Bart Ehrman is a popular atheist scholar, which means he doesn't believe in God and he studies the New Testament, right? And he says this uh, in response to some people who said that Jesus never existed. He said this, "'This is not even an issue for scholars of antiquity. "'There is no scholar in any college or university "'in the Western world who teaches the classics, ancient history, New Testament, early Christianity, "'or any related field who doubts that Jesus existed.'" The reason for thinking Jesus existed is because he is abundantly attested to in early sources. Wow. So as you can see, it's very convincing Jesus existed. Michael Kona said that people who don't think Jesus existed are akin to people who don't believe the moon landings are real or <laughs> Holocaust deniers. So I'm going to start with our foundational argument today. And that is the execution and burial of Jesus. Because who knows? if you don't have a dead Jesus, you can't have a resurrected Jesus. That's true. So that's what we're starting with. (laughs) So the crucifixion of Jesus is also virtually undisputed amongst scholars. We have such good sources for this. There are at least five extra biblical sources, which means sources outside of the Bible that attest to Jesus' crucifixion. And some of those are Josephus, Tacitus, and the Jewish Talmud and even some enemies of Christianity that attested to the fact that Jesus was crucified. But so what? The question that we really have to ask ourselves is, why was he crucified? If Jesus was really crucified, then there had to be a reason, there had to be a cause. And what we have is that Jesus, we have sources that say that Jesus was a blasphemer and that he had messianic and divine claims. That meant he claimed to be the Messiah and he claimed to be God. So what do we have to make of this evidence when Jesus claims to be divine? We have to do something with it. Yeah, that's true. So I'm going to move on to the crucifixion itself, trying to get through this really quickly because we've got a lot of content and it's all very interesting. So a a Roman crucifixion was extremely torturous. They kept their victims alive as long as possible to suffer to the largest extent. The Journal of the Royal Society of Medicine, which is... Um, a secular society, they had a number of professionals look at the crucifixion and also at Roman accounts of crucifixion in history, and they had many ways that they established that Jesus would have died on the cross. Some of those are cardiac rupture, heart failure, hypovolemic shock, syncope, acidosis, asphyxia, arrhythmia plus asphyxia, pulmonary embolism and the voluntary surrender of life it was well attested that Jesus could not have endured this and lived let alone anyone in history yeah and it is thought for some time when Jesus was on the cross um, they they put nails in his feet that's what the bible says and it was thought for some time among historians that that was an embellishment that there's no evidence that people put nails, that the Romans put nails in their victims' feet. But in 1968, archaeologists actually discovered the skeletal remains in Jerusalem of someone who had been crucified. And in the heels were nails. And they would have been nailed um, to the side of the cross. I understand they found another one recently, the last two or three years. Another yeah, I think one there well. was
2: still some wood in the nail as well from the cross. Yeah.
1: So, so what we get is, is a, a sense that the Bible is not embellishing anything. It's actually telling us the facts. And we also know that, the, that if anything, the disciples or the authors actually under-embellished. They could have, like authors today, really hyped up the cross and the crucifixion. Yeah. But instead, they just gave us the simple facts and allowed us to fill in the blanks. Yeah, very so short, our new- succinct, wasn't it? Yeah, our New Testament authors didn't add anything to the content. There is an extra biblical source that testifies that at the time of Jesus' death on the crucifixion, there was an eclipse in the middle of the day. Okay. When do eclipses happen in the middle of the day? We know in the Bible that the day went dark when Jesus died on the cross. And we have an extra biblical source who is not... Uh, biased Christianity and he testifies that there was eclipse in the middle of the day and new testament scholars also agree that the burial of Jesus by Joseph of Arimathea is one of the best established facts in all the gospels mm. so Joseph of Arimathea was a Pharisee part of the Sanhedrin and the Sanhedrin were the ones that had to agree to put Jesus to death so Joseph would have been amongst these scholars who put him to death, uh, amongst these Pharisees who put him to death, and scholars agree that Christians just would simply not have lied about this. And it is um, evidence that he put him in a tomb nearby where he was crucified, if you're and that's Joseph's tomb.
0: If you're going to make this story up, you're not going to get someone who actually crucified him to say, hey, why don't you put him in my tomb?
1: That's right. It was... <laughs> If anything, it was, it was an embarrassing fact for yeah. the disciples of the early sure. time. I'm going to read you just one last thing, and then we'll head on to our next point. Um, and I'm going to go to Isaiah 53 in the Bible. So Isaiah is a book written about 600 BC. That's 600 years before <laughs> the life of Christ. And he says this. So with all the facts I've given in mind, listen to this scripture, and I want you to understand the symmetry of what's going on here. So 53 4, And then later on, it says in verse nine, he was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. So what we have is a a scripture from 600 years before the life of Christ, attesting that he was pierced and that he was buried in a rich man's tomb alongside murderers, and Um, what What we have is such good evidence that we have to do something with it. So if it is a fact that Jesus, who claimed to be God, was executed and buried according to a prophecy written 600 years prior, you have to do something about the evidence.
2: Very so good, mate. Make the rest of us look bad, Elijah. <laughs> 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 the only one with paper notes. I, I had one question uh, to Elijah, and did you get sandpaper to make this look really well used, like you're a good Christian?
1: <laughs> no, it's fifteen years old, baby. Oh. <laughs>
2: you know, just on what you were saying earlier, um, there's a lot of people that say that uh, Jesus may have looked like he was dead, and then died on the cross. Uh, died on the cross. They've taken him down, and then they've. Uh, buried him and then the coolness of the tomb woke him up from his sleep and he realized, oh, I'm not actually dead and just walked out of the tomb by himself. That's, that's kind of the only explanation that, that some people have been able to put to that. But the truth is, because uh, I was researching your point a little bit, the, uh, there is zero evidence in all history of anyone ever living through a crucifixion. In fact, there is evidence of people dying just from the beating they received before getting hung on the cross. Mm. But Jesus endured that whole beating and then was hung on the cross. And then they stabbed a spear through his side and through his lung and heart and all this blood and and liquid gushed out of his body. I don't think there's any chance that he's come back to life in the tomb. I add on to that that the American Medical Association actually did a study and they said that Jesus was probably dead by the time that they um, poked his side. Well, they didn't break his
0: legs, did they? Because these experts of death realised that he was already dead. So why break his legs? Didn't need to. That's right.
1: We can also imagine Jesus waking up in the tomb going, wow, that was quite a beating. I'm just going to roll back this 1.5 tonne rock, take <laughs> out, sneak past Uphil, 14 uphill. Roman <laughs> soldiers and then go pretend like I am perfectly enabled to, to do what I normally was doing. You can just yeah. imagine that.
2: That's true. That's yeah, true. imagine putting your fingers through his hands and him going, ah! <laughs>
0: Let's move on, June? Did you, you were studying something? What did you study?
2: Yeah, so uh, I studied the evidence of the empty tomb. So um, obviously he's, uh, we've kind of established the fact that he's now, we, we know that he's died and we know that he's been buried in the tomb of Josephus. Um, so I just wanted to talk about five things that um, give evidence to us that the tomb was actually empty. Uh, so the first one of those is the location of the tomb. So as you've already said, that was the tomb of um, Josephus. And... Um, that tomb was actually very close nearby to where he was where he was crucified, and it was in Jerusalem. Now, the reason why that's so significant is if you're trying to create this conspiracy about this guy raising from the dead and you want to tell everyone so that they'll believe you and, and it's not true, then you would go, surely, to somewhere far away that no one can check the evidence.
0: Yeah, we'll take it out to sea.
2: Yeah, or, like, <laughs> just don't tell people in Jerusalem. Go somewhere else, like... Go to a far away place and go tell them that Jesus was risen. But no, he tells everyone in, the disciples go around telling everyone in Jerusalem, hey, guess what, this Jesus guy was risen. Anyone very easily could go, well, let's just go check it out. It's just around the corner. Like it's it's even closer than what, like it's as close as the cemetery, if you know Windsor, is from this church to there. It's just like, oh, let's just go pop over there and have a look. Is there a big stone rolled away? So that gives us a very good fact.
0: Do you know Windsor is the only place right now where if you're living within a kilometre, Of the cemetery here, you can't be buried. Really? Because you're a living. (laughs) Nice. Oh, gosh.
2: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right, so that's number one, location of the tomb. The second one uh, was um, (coughs) the empty grave was written about very soon after uh, the death of Jesus. So it's not like hundreds of years later, people were kind of sitting around and going, hey, why don't we say that the tomb was empty so that people more believe our, our fact that the resurrection has happened. It actually was part of Mark's passion source. So Mark, when he was writing his gospel, had a source uh, or somebody that he was talking to that gave him the story, the full story of when Jesus, right from when he was arrested all the way through to when he, uh, he was buried into the tomb and, uh, and, and through until the tomb was found empty. And so the, uh, that's kind of where we get, you know, the passion of the Christ, the passion, the passion source. That's kind of where that gets its name. And the, the, a lot of people believe that this was around uh, 30 AD that this source came from, or up to at maximum seven years after the death of Jesus. So it's very soon after the death of Jesus, Mark receives this text about, okay, this is, this is how... Uh, they they know the tomb was empty. Mm. So again, it's not like it was something that was written hundreds of years later. It was it was very soon after. Uh, the third thing is um, that it was simple and had no embellishment in the story. Elijah's kind of already touched on that a little bit. Uh, I'm going to give you an example of some embellishment of the, um, the resurrection of Jesus, the empty tomb. So in the Gospel according to Peter, which is actually a fake gospel, it was written 400 years AD, right. uh, which Peter was long, long, long dead yeah. by then. And uh, so the Gospel according to Peter uh, re- recounts the empty tomb story. And it talks about there were many people, all of the Pharisees and the, head, the Jewish leaders of the time were gathered around the tomb and they were sleeping there taking his shifts two by two. And this big light comes from heaven and two men come down and they roll the stone out of the way, just while the, all these guys are watching. They walk into the tomb. This is when it gets crazy. Three guys come out the two original supporting one, but now their heads reach to the clouds and the third guy's head, who we're to assume is Jesus, his head reaches above the clouds and a cross comes out with them. And then a booming voice from heaven says, has the gospel been preached to those who have fallen asleep? And the cross replies, yay. <laughs> those
1: guys must have been having some mushrooms or something. Too many
2: Easter eggs in the gospel according <laughs> to Peter. <laughs> And so that's, that's a really good example of, the, of this legendary embellishment story that, that yeah. people kind of, you know, but there's none of that in Mark. That's right. You know, Mark just talks about this is the simple facts.
0: And Mark, They take it Mark is the earliest gospel, right? He's the earliest, yeah. First yeah. one written, yeah.
2: Yeah. And uh, my fourth thing, I'm sorry, I don't want to take too much time, uh, was that women were the first witnesses. Now, I don't want to offend any women that may be watching us today. Um, this is not what I believe. This is what was believed in the culture of the time but uh, they were considered like one of the lowest rungs on this, the ladder of society, right? Couldn't be trusted. They yeah. couldn't be trusted. They couldn't be trusted so much so that if you, if I murdered Jesse in front of Geordie and Geordie testified to it in court, no one would hear her because they'd all be like, yeah, but a woman can't testify in court, and I'd get away with it, Yeah, possibly.
0: How times have changed, right? Yeah, how times <laughs> have changed, yes. <laughs> yeah.
2: And so uh, if you're going to write a story... And make up this fact of, you know, there's an empty tomb. The first people you get to go find it would be men. And probably men that, you know, have some renown or at least some of his disciples, maybe Peter and John or something like that. No, 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 they get women to go there. Mm. And they're the people that first testify, hey, we've got an empty tomb. If you're going to make that story up, that's a pretty inconvenient fact.
0: That's right. Yeah. That's right.
2: Uh, And my last one is that um, the empty grave was not only talked about by Christians. In fact, those who most opposed Jesus and the Christians, they're the ones who admitted their tomb was empty. Yeah. Remember in the Bible when the Pharisees, uh, they're they're saying, why don't we tell everyone that the disciples came and stole the body while no one was there and then that's why the tomb's empty? That is a big admission that the body's missing. Yeah, that's right. It's not not like they're saying, no, tell them the body was still there. No, they're admitting the body's not there. They're just trying to find a reason. Not only that, but there's extra biblical sources that say that too, that say that, that, that they must have stolen the body. Mm-hmm. Yep, there you go. And so uh, I, I think it's pretty f- safe to say that the tomb was empty. It's yeah. pretty hard to argue that the tomb wasn't empty.
0: Can you imagine if the disciples did steal it? a would like a weekend at Bernie's. Have you seen <laughs> that movie? <It'd> be crazy. <laughs> I've, I've got a great story. I've got a great story about um, empty tomb. It's a true story. Um, back in the early 19th century, the 1800s, um, a man was commissioned to remove the bodies from Sydney Cemetery, where they wanted to build where is now the Sydney Town Hall. A man called Robert Stewart was commissioned to remove all of them all. They built the mortuary um, railway station so that they could transfer all of these bodies out to Rookwood Cemetery. They built a big, what do they call them, a mausoleum, um, a big tomb out there to house all of these bodies. They say there are up to 2,000 bodies in this area, And people just kept coming, even when it wasn't an official cemetery, they kept burying people there. But they wanted to build the town hall there. So they paid this man, they paid him up to remove all of the bodies. Well, around about 50 to 60 years later, they start building the town hall railway line, which as you know is underground. And lo and behold, all these bodies started showing up. Skull here, a coffin there, a casket there, and another skeleton here. And it turns out... He barely moved any of them. <laughs> and um, I, I, and he's, he's long gone by now. And he, he lied that he'd moved these bodies. So, my thought is this at Rookwood Cemetery right now, there is a, an empty tomb because someone lied. But in Jerusalem, there is an empty tomb because someone told the
2: truth. Good point. I love yeah, that's that. That's all, story. folks. We're going, no, just joking. <laughs> Over to you, Solly. Just leave it there. What did you study, Saul? So I looked into the early accounts of um, the resurrection and the death of Jesus um, because historically, I mean, the only way we have any information about this is from accounts and texts and things like that. Um, And surprisingly, we have a lot more than what is considered, you know, official documentation to claim it as history. Um, Usually you need one or two documents to say that it's, okay, this is an event that likely happened Um, for the death, resurrection of Jesus, we have about 11 accounts. Um, Absolute gold. gold. Yeah. <laughs> Lo- lots of them are not in the Bible at all. That's right. Um, and they used to consider a lot of the biblical sources as, you know, you can't use them because they're just religious, you know. You can't, you Bias, can't use those. They're biased. they biased. Yeah. Um, but now they're actually considering a lot of them, a lot of Paul's letters, uh, I think yep. six of them. Uh, something like that, uh, being complete historical sources. So you can actually use them in terms of looking at the life of Jesus. Um, And that would mean that because Paul testifies a lot to what is written exactly in the gospel, especially Mark, um, Mm -hmm. that you could say that that also is a very accurate source. Not to mention that every single gospel and every single letter that was written in the Bible in the New Testament was written within the first century AD, um, maximum 70 years after Jesus died. Well, eyewitnesses were alive. Eyewitnesses were alive, a lot of them. Um, so that gives us a lot of sources, a lot of material that says that okay, this is to be trusted. Um, material that can date back as far as six months to a year after Jesus died. A lot of people say, "Oh, how how is that happening? How how do we how do we get our sources that far back?" Well, in um, one Corinthians 15, Paul talks about um, talks about this creed that was mentioned earlier, I think, by Elijah. Um, that uh, that all the apostles used. So Peter, Peter would use this, Paul would use this, John, James. They'd all agree on this exact theology. In fact, in the, in the book, in the chapter itself, um, Paul talks about, you know, if this gospel that we shared to you is wrong, then... And he always talks in the collective, like, we shared to you this gospel. He's basically saying, if you talk to them, you'll get the exact same thing. Um, we have the same gospel, the same thing. So this comes from when he met with the disciples, um, the apostles, um, James and Peter, uh, for 15 days, within five years of Jesus dying. He talks about this. Um, and look, I can imagine, and a lot of other scholars talk about this, that they can imagine that he was just questioning them. He say, okay, what did you see? I saw this. What happened? Tell me exactly how it was. And so they were discussing this for 15 days, and so they all came to this agreement uh, of this certain creed. Um, well, they talked to Paul about it, and this, and they looked into it, that this creed must have been formed within uh, six months to a year of Jesus' death. I've heard some people say possibly weeks after Jesus' Possibly death. weeks, yeah. possibly days, hours even. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're just writing yeah. it down while he's talking. He had to, to rise first. <laughs> <laughs> before he'd risen. Yeah. Out of faith, Peter. <laughs> uh, let's be real, Peter didn't have any faith. <laughs> um, yeah, so the creed is an easy to understand doctrine taken for the teachings of Jesus, and they had to have been formed soon after his death. Um, even the most outspoken atheist scholars and historians would agree that these certain books of the New Testament can be trusted, and that, um, and that this creed was at least five years—sorry, at, at, uh, at the very most five years after yeah. Jesus' death. Which is so close when we t- talk two thousand years ago. I mean, you wouldn't find sources on that. Yeah. I mean, even like what is it? Um, Alexander the Great. The earliest known source we have of him is four hundred years after he died. Yeah. And people trust him to be like an actual person who existed. Julius Caesar 150 years or something. That's like me writing about someone who lived in the 1600s. Yeah, that's right. It's crazy. As opposed to someone who lived in 2015. Yeah. There's maths for you. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting.
0: um, There's records of Polycarp, who was a church leader into the second century, who was reciting this creed exactly like Paul did. Mm -hmm. So it didn't change. From day one, it didn't change right through, which is, again, proof that
2: this was real to them who lived. So very interesting. Yeah, and, they, and they're saying that Paul is a trusted scholar. Like, they're not just talking about he's just a religious figure. He's, yeah. he's a trusted scholar. And a lot of, um, lot of um, even atheist and agnostic um, historians are saying that
1: they trust his sources. Mm. Right, And that's because time and time again, facts that Paul and the Gospel writers put forth are proven as correct. Even when in, in the past they've been thought to be incorrect, archaeology... And um, studying other documents, they've been able to see that they were actually correct all along. So they've been giving more and more credibility as time goes on. Yeah. And the Gospels are so credible that even Luke, who mentions over a hundred locations in Luke, every single one of them has been archaeologically and geographically correct. Oh,
2: he's You really did up. research this. Yeah. Didn't <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You've got to look- drop the mic after
1: that. <laughs> I've I've got another mic drop moment coming up. Oh, I was just gonna Okay, I won't even say my <laughs>
2: <laughs> you can cross reference a lot of the a lot of the line. And, and they talk. don't okay. <laughs> <laughs> and they they don't they don't waver from the story. You don't get any sort of, you know, like okay, this happened but then this document says that this happened. It's there's all no very There's
1: no the plot holes. No plot holes. You go watch Black Store really well find done some story plot holes, but this <laughs> story, there's no plot holes in it. It's really incredible. I, I wanted to say one more fact and I'll get back to you. Um, <laughs> so, Homer's Iliad is, is a famous document that's, that's, um, that, that has been preserved very well in history. We have 600 ancient documents that are dated 1,000 years after the original Homer's Iliad was written. That's pretty good, and that's considered gold. For New Testament sources, we have... Five thousand six hundred and sixty-four ancient writings. This is copies and copies of copies from a few hundred years after Jesus yeah, died. Yeah. Wow! They're Greek. That's just Greek, by the way. There are also other languages, yeah, and right. that expands over twenty-seven thousand
2: yeah. in the
1: in in about the first five hundred years after Jesus. Wow.
2: There you go, folks. That's all you need, I cool. think,
1: guys. I just want to bring this up. I
2: think Elijah's cheating. Because he's wearing a professor jumper. Yeah, he looks like a. <laughs> and he's just <laughs> professoring the snot out of us. And s- a paper morning. bible. Has he got? Is he got an earpiece in? <laughs> he's got an earpiece. Adam White's on the other end. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> What's that one? Yep. Yeah, oh, really so Burns Solly so here. Okay. No, you're up. Well, that's 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 all I got. <laughs> I mean, okay. Can, can I add to that? Like, um, so all of these facts that we're talking about today they've been established uh, by scholars that have said, all right, let, let's use the atheist New Testaments. Like, okay, all these atheist professionals, pick what verses you think are historically credible and we'll use the Bible as historical evidence rather than about inspired 10%. Scripture.
1: It's about yeah. 10% of what and Jesus even says. if
2: we just use atheist New Testament, we still arrive at these facts, which is pretty yeah. crazy. Clearly. Wow. Very clearly. Clearly, yeah. So
0: just what did you study?
2: Well, I looked into the, uh, the eyewitness testimony. Uh, so let me just state this. More than 515 people on over a dozen different occasions claimed to have seen Jesus alive after his death. And in that's burial. just the men, not the women. Then the yeah. children. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> Paul. <laughs> yeah. Paul says that. Paul says that, doesn't
0: he? He says 500 men. That's right. Brethren, yeah. yeah.
1: In, in the creed he well, recites yeah, yeah. in corin- 1 Corinthians 15, yeah. I just did not expect to get an Anakin Skywalker reference. <laughs> I was waiting so long to say that one. <laughs> <laughs> The women and the children too.
2: Oh, hashtag to all you Star Wars fans out there. Hashtag Star so Wars. I missed you. it. The, yeah, I, we noticed you did, Dad. That's yeah. okay. Mum would have got it. Um, so th- th- let me just tell you some facts about these accounts. So these are to men and to women, yes. Uh, some of them were indoors some of them are outdoors, some of them were at night, some of them were during the day, Uh, some of them were to groups of people and to individuals, one-on-one between them and Jesus. Um, The disciples even reported to touch and to eat with him. Um, And attesting to all of this, there are nine independent sources, both biblical and extra-biblical. And what's really crazy about this is that it, transformed the, the lives of the disciples. It changed the way that they lived. Mm. Think about this, right? So these guys, they've been walking with Jesus for a couple of years and they thought he was the Messiah. And the Messiah was supposed to come and become the king of the Jews, raise up an army, overthrow the oppressive Roman rule and establish Israel as the superpower of the world again. Like That was the, the belief of what the Messiah would be messiahs don't die right yeah there there are different accounts of different messiahs people who claim to be these leaders they would gather a, a bit of a following and then they would do something silly and get killed and the following would be like well let's just go home and find another messiah right and so what we find with jesus is is that he's dead and the disciples run off and go into hiding so, Peter, he's denying him. I mean, how many of them were actually at the cross, right? You got Mary, his mum, yeah, of course. And then I think James might have been there too. But like, it, it makes t- the denial much more real, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. They're 100% they're like, well, oh, we thought he was the Messiah. Clearly, he's not the Messiah. Let's go get a yeah. new Messiah or let's just go home. Yeah. Right? And Jesus
0: will never know my denial anyway because he's not going to rise. Yeah, like,
2: well, that was yeah. a fun three years. I'm yeah. going to go back to fishing. Right? That's right. Yeah. It was humiliating. 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 Yeah. The shame, right? So the fact that they would backflip on this running away and denial, and then every like unanimously, aside from Judas who killed himself before all this happened, um, but all of the disciples unanimously decided that they would like they would willingly live a life of suffering and deprivation and oppression for this belief that Jesus rose again. They would have known whether it was a lie. Yeah, so so okay, we go, well, people, they die for for things all the time, right? People die for what they believe, causes, things they strongly believe, yeah. But the thing about this situation, and and also people can die for loved ones, right? So maybe you could die for a lie if you knew it would protect a loved one that you sincerely cared about. That's right. But no, no, this belief put their loved ones in danger, yeah. and they are the unique place in history where where these guys, these d- original disciples, they knew whether it was a lie or not. So people could die for Jesus today, believing that it was true. But these guys knew, like they were the ones yeah. who either did or didn't touch him, or did or didn't share a meal with him after he was yeah. dead. So, so it's they, you know, <laughs> they're not going to be like, oh, try and convince themselves that this lies the truth. No, no. They knew that this was a lie, if it was a lie, and they still somehow decided to live the rest of their life oppressed s- with suffering, and some of them died for it. So it's Did crazy. You research about Jesus' brother,
0: half-brother yeah. James? Tell us about him.
2: Yeah, well, his, his, his brother, we know Jesus uh, kind of rejected his biological family for his disciples' family. And they rejected and him. And they rejected him in they, turn. because They called him like, demon-possessed. Yeah, what are you doing? You're, you're, you're out of line. You're being crazy. Like you're just, yeah. you're just one of us. You're just one of our family. Why James, do you think you're special?
0: He wasn't at the crucifixion. There's no record of that. His yep.
2: brothers? Yep. His brothers weren't there.
0: Like your brother's getting killed. Even if something you don't agree with, he's still going to turn up if you like him, right? Mm. Judah, I'd show up for your crucifixion. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, thanks, mate.
0: <laughs> so James I'll is not you know. there. Yeah, But yet there's a record of him turning to have Jesus Christ as his saviour to a point where he became the head of the Jerusalem church and was martyred for it.
1: Mm.
0: What was the turnaround? He would have had to have met Jesus after the resurrection.
1: If anyone's got a brother, you know how hard it is to think that your brother's sinless and and (laughs) perfect. (laughs) And that would have been a massive stretch for James. So it had to be some pretty convincing evidence. Yeah. I'm just struggling to
2: admit that Elijah's done more research than us. I don't know (laughs) if the Messiah. (laughs) 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 <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And Paul, the same thing. He was killing Christians, yeah. thinking he was doing the will of God. Eradicating the church. Eradicating the church because, like, that was what the right thing to do is. Yet he does a full 180 and joins them and then progresses it further than the rest of the disciples even. Yeah. 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 Crazy stuff. And he was really confident in that too. I mean, like, if you read his letters, he talks about, like, how he just went he's just willing to bet his life on it. He'll bet his life on it. Um, and he's a, he was a smart man. Like, he was mm. very smart. He obeyed the law pretty yeah. well, and he knew it very well. Knew and for the him to turn around and to yeah. be so sure in it, like a lot of people would say, oh, it's just out of shame that he turned. But, like, he was so sure, and he would say, you test me in this. You know what? If, if the resurrection isn't real, our faith is useless. Everything I've taught you, everything I've done, completely useless.
1: There are some arguments that try to account for all these historical facts that are verified by scholars. And one of them, the most popular, which is quite strange is the hallucination theory and that is that everyone who says and claims to have been a witness to jesus was hallucinating they'd been taking those same mushrooms in the same room (laughs) but what we have in 1 corinthians 15 he says paul says that he appeared to peter and then to the 12 and after that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. So what he's saying is, so there's over 500 people and some of them are dead, but the ones that are alive, if you want to go verify this, go talk to them. Now, what are the chances that a hallucination is able to um, convince every single person, much of who was skeptical, might I add, and um, uh, psychologists say that, People who are sceptical are very unlikely to be hypnotised or to hallucinate. And then we have all these people testifying to the same creed. It's just yeah. unprecedented. Yeah. I mean, look,
2: there's this, this atheist, uh, renowned atheist scholar, um, Bart I think you talked about him earlier, he has stated straight up that there is no way that the oh, – sorry, the disciples had to have seen what they believed to be the risen Jesus. I mean, they cannot have been lying from everything that we've seen and we can see that the group hallucination theory doesn't really add up. It doesn't take on all the data. So if you look at the thing that is most likely with the data we have, it... Well, it, filled could, in the it <laughs> could be the Jesus twin theory. Jess, do you want to tell us about that one? Oh, the twin theory. This so is, someone actually wrote this down in a, in a thesis. This is probably one of the best uh, Blacklist Reddington theories as well, um, <laughs> going out around the moment, if you're a Blacklist fan. Uh, the Freddington theory. Um, but basically... The gist of it is Jesus actually had a twin brother. And, uh, separated at birth. Separated at birth for some reason. And no one ever knew about him. And then Jesus was killed and he thought, hey, this is a cool opportunity to gain a following. I'll just rock up and pretend I'm him. So he must have like he, scarred he his hands. Oh, yeah, he would have had to have stolen the body or organized the body to be stolen, which is already difficult because yeah. Roman guards that were guarding this tomb day and night to to fail to guard this tomb was punishable by death. Yep. The guards had a very strong motive and they were also armed, much better than regular little Jewish people. Um, so somehow this Jesus twin had to steal the body and then go around obviously give himself scars to yeah. make sure that he looked like the legit and then go ahead and proclaim that he was Jesus. And work out how to, to do the miracles. And convince the guys that Jesus had spent three years. I mean... Like, a lot of people who are good friends with Bella and Darcy can tell them apart instantly, (laughs) right? So even if this was Jesus' twin and had to get the same haircut or whatever, um, somehow he had to know, like, the guys that had lived, walked, ate with Jesus for three years, he could convince them somehow that he was Jesus. Ocean's
1: 30 AD. (laughs) Imagine
2: imagine having two kids in a manger.
1: (laughs) That's inconvenient. Yeah, it's cool. I just wanted to mention if you're sceptical of any of these uh, facts that we've brought forth, please research it because there's such good evidence and many books written about this from both sides of the argument and I think that you'll be able to establish the facts for yourself. Mm. But don't just be one that sits back and go, oh, that can't be true. Have a look at it yourself and I think you'll find it to be very convincing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, um, we're going to wrap it up now. C.S. Lewis was the one, I think, who quoted that uh, when you look at the life of Jesus, he was either a lunatic, a liar, or he must have been Lord. And uh, there is so much proof, evidence, that he rose again from the grave. He actually said this in John chapter 11. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this, Jesus said. And I suppose on Resurrection Sunday, my question to you is this, do you believe this? because to believe in Jesus Christ is to have him as your Lord and Savior, to allow him to take charge of your life and to guide your life and for you to learn from him and his word, to walk with him. Today, I wanna challenge you. Do you follow Jesus Christ? He's not just a figment of our imagination. He's not a leprechaun. He's not some um, legend that might've happened. It is so real that so many people over the years have given their lives just to follow Him, just to hold on to His Word. That even give their life to have, have His Bible. He's a real Savior. But here's the exciting thing. He didn't die again. He is still alive today. And He is still the Lord today. And He knows you. He knows of your life and He loves you. Romans chapter 8. Verse 11 says this Yes, God raised Jesus to life, and since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, He will also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathes life into your body. Maybe you're saying, Well, my life, I, I feel so distant. Why don't you allow Him to come into your life this morning to breathe that resurrection life into you? I'd imagine around the world there's a lot of people contemplating life right now. What, what, where's life heading? What's life amount to? What is my life about? Friend, those answers can really only be found once you've allowed the Spirit of God through turning to Jesus Christ to come into your life. Jesus actually said this, unless you're born again, you won't see the kingdom of heaven. What he meant by that was this, unless the Spirit of God reveals Jesus Christ to you as Lord and Saviour, None of this is going to make sense to you. Friend, I remember as an 18-year-old turning around realizing this is real and then asking through prayer, Jesus, can you just reveal this to me? Can you show me how real this is? He came into my life. It was was an experience in my life and I believe it was a born-again experience. I was a new creation. Everything was new because of the resurrected Savior. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. The words we sang before in worship are very true. This morning, Resurrection Sunday. Why don't you, if you have not already done this, surrender to Him. Allow Him to be the Lord of your life. See, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. He died to take away the sin of the world. He died to take away the shame. And He died to make access for us. So that when He rose from the grave, the power of that resurrection can bring us into God's kingdom. That's what it's about. And you know what? You don't have to clean yourself up to come. He'll do that. You don't have to try and get it right because He got it right. All you need to do is with all of your flaws, all of your issues, all of your shortfalling, you can come to Him and say, Jesus, forgive me. Come into my life. And He makes it all new because the resurrected King can resurrect you. Can I pray for you this morning? Maybe you're sitting in your lounge room alone looking at a device and you realize that you're a long way away from Jesus. Why don't you come to Him this morning? Give your heart to Him. Ask Him to forgive you. And as He comes into your life, begin to live the life that He wants you to live. Read His Word and see what He's got to say about it. It's a love letter that he's written for you. Uh Let me pray for you. Let's all pray. Father God, thank you for sending your own unique son so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. You sent your son not to punish the world or damn the world, but you sent it to save the world. Thank you for that. It must have been horrific to see your son on that cross. But Lord, to see him resurrected was the glory of all time. Father, for all those people right now, in their living rooms, lounge rooms, wherever they may be, would you allow the Holy Spirit right now to reveal Jesus Christ's love to them? And Lord, may they pray a prayer saying, Jesus, come into my life. Make me like new." And Jesus, I pray that many would be born again this morning, a supernatural experience. Thank you, Father. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's been exciting. I hope you've enjoyed the discussion that we've had. And um, I think it's unique and it's great. And like the, the young men said, research it. We've got ample time and we've got ample resources. Just get on and Google and look around and find out some real credible stuff and you'll, you'll be amazed at what you can find. One more thing before we leave. Strong Nation Church, next Sunday morning at 10am, we're going to launch a new theme. Well, it's not a new theme, it's our next theme. And we're going to be launching the theme of going deeper. What a great time it is. I believe the Lord is at work in the world right now. Never before in my lifetime has the entire world experienced the same thing. Never. Never. And I believe the Lord is at work right now. And I believe as a church, He's calling us to go deeper into Him, deeper into His Word, deeper into who He is. And His Spirit is in the earth right now, deeper into His Spirit. So we're going to be sharing that next Sunday. But also on next Sunday, I'm, I'm calling the church to a three-week fast. We're going to be talking about that through the week, through our huddles, what that means. And um, I'm going to ask, would you join us on this fast? It's all about going deeper. It's all about tuning our spirit with his spirit so that he can guide and direct us where he wants us. So that's next week. Hope you can join us. It'll be great. Same bat channel, same bat time. It'll be great, 10 o'clock. God bless you and have a fantastic week.